Shall we begin? Let's begin. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Riley McGree with a scorpion kick. Two nil. Connor Metcalf. What a hit from Cameron Devlin. Finally, Nathaniel Atkinson. They've got that second goal, and it's with a first touch for Tilio. This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football as we look to unearth the next generation of Socceroos who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back to another episode of the Soccer Who's podcast and a special welcome to Luca. If you don't know who I'm talking about, he is arguably the biggest young talent that we've seen this week, making national headlines and what a talent coming out of Tasmania, hey. Simply world-class, mate. Simply world-class. The defending ability to put his body on the line, sacrifice for the good of his team, and cop a nasty challenge, which, of course, I think should have seen a red. Yeah, look, I think that's a red card challenge all day. Devonport, there's quite a fair bit of talent coming through there, James. You'll have to compile a bit of a scouting report, especially for the kid that ended up scoring the goal that won the game, I'm assuming. I think the game was called off after Scott Morrison kind of shoulder barged, right? I think the game descended into chaos, and I believe the referees had to call the game off. Yeah, it's a shame that that's the way that the sport is going. But it's okay. There's plenty of good news. There's plenty of great stuff happening in Australian football. It shows how ripe the talent of Tasmania is and why the A-League should look to expand there, I'd say. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Hey, uh, plenty of exciting news to chat about this week. Obviously, this morning, time of recording, Aiden Hrustic is a champion in Europe. He's not the champion of Europe. What do you are they the cousins of the champions of Europe? How does the Europa League work in the hierarchy? I guess it's like championship light almost. Yeah, okay. It's no, like, like you've got your light yeah, the diet coke of European football. There you go. It's still nothing to be sniffed at. Plenty of people love some Diet Coke. Plenty of people love Pepsi Max. I'm not here to cause a fight between the Pepsi and Coke people. Anyway, let's get into this. I don't think I actually introduced ourselves. Uh, my name is Lockie. It's great to be with you as always. And James joins me. And this show is all about the future of Australian football, which is why we make special effort to welcome the likes of Luca. And there are plenty of future Socceroos that we'll be chatting about in this episode. Let's get right into this. Let's head around the grounds and chat about the players that have been impressing us this week. And we'll kick it off in Australia. The A-League men's finals have kicked off. Uh, The first game, Melbourne victory against Western United. It was quite an uneventful game until this happened. And it comes, the punch from Jamie Young. Back in, oh, Jake Brimmer! The goal has come from victory's end form man. It was Rojas-esque from Jake Brimmer. Wonderful strike. Jamie Young is beaten. 16 minutes to play. Melbourne victory one, Western United nil. The game finished 1-0, 2 victory. They're heading to the second leg with a 1-0 advantage. James, what did you make of the game? What did you make of Jake? I mean, Jake Rummer, absolutely phenomenal once again. Impactful, decisive, controlled the flow of the game. Everything flows through him going forwards. And for me, either him or Jason Davidson have been the best players for victory all season long. And to see him score such a goal like that in a big game, it's a... Big reward for him because he's had a great season. He's had plenty of plaudits, but to see him do it on as big a stage as a local derby, you could argue, to see him perform so well in such a big game, huge for him. And 
he's looking to be such a bright talent and he's really at an interesting crossroads in his career at the age of 24 of what he does next. Yeah, it will be quite interesting. He was unfortunate to miss out on the A-League All-Stars, at least the starting 11 uh, that was published this afternoon. But I don't think that'll have too much of an effect on his career. He's quite a strong-willed guy, and I think there's a pretty bright future ahead of him. Another player with a bright future, if he continues to keep up the form that he was displaying against Melbourne City, it's Joe Gauchy. Kept a clean sheet in... A fascinating first leg. It was, once again, uneventful in the goal space. It remained nil all. So Adelaide, largely fortunate, would you say, heading into the second fixture to keep Melbourne City scoreless. What did you make of that game? It was a very nervy game, that's for sure. Uh, Very even the balance of play in many ways. I think Adelaide will feel a bit disappointed in their performance. Of course, it was their home final. It was the home leg of the semi-final for Adelaide. Uh, and, I mean, Joe Gauti had a good game. He had a very good game. Clearly playing on with a lot of confidence after some faith has been put in him after the injuries to Delanov early in the season. He's been thrust into a position where he has to be the main guy and he has been the main guy for them between the sticks. Playing with a lot of confidence. Four saves from this game, including a high claim and three of those saves coming from shots inside the box. So, and... If you look at his XG performance in terms of his saves, he's been one of the best in the league for the entire season. And I would say probably saved Adelaide United from a more unfortunate result. A nil-all isn't the end of the world for Adelaide. They want to keep it tight because we all know the attacking talent of Melbourne City. But Joe Gauti played very well. As did Craig Goodwin. Really, that only two bright spots for me for Adelaide United. Javi Lopez, consistent as always, but... In terms of Australian talent, Joe Gauti, Craig Goodwin, the two noticeables from their squad. And unfortunately, Lockenbrook didn't have a great game, which isn't ideal for a player looking to build form heading into the Asian Cup. And Joe Gauti celebrating what was a fine performance with a call-up to the under-23 squad. We'll unpack that just a little bit later, but great to see him rewarded for his fine form. Heading over to Germany, it's the game we just teased earlier, but... Aiden Frustic is a winner in the Europa League final. He came off the bench in the 105th minute, so he played the entirety of the second half of extra time. Uh, He looked quite composed on the ball, and I think most importantly, most nerve-wrackingly, he scored his penalty. This for 2-2. Coolly done. Well, we've got two very good goalkeepers on show here. Got nowhere near them. Another Eintracht player. Ice cool from the penalty spot. Commentator not even showing the respect of naming him, but it was a delightful penalty in the bottom left-hand corner at the Rangers' end. So quite hostile, but he remained composed, remained calm. And that's exactly the sort of thing we want to see from one of our key players in the Socceroos side, heading into some big fixtures this June. That composure is something that he needs in abundance as well, as he will have a lot more pressure on him playing in the Socceroos side, being the main technical and creative output from the midfield. As I'd say he's almost surpassed Tommy Rozic now in terms of ability at the level he is playing at. So he's going to need that composure that the commentator alluded to and I think he has that I think he has that in spades he's a very good player 
And even in just a brief 15 minutes he played in the final, he was very impactful, getting on the ball quickly, making some movements forward, and was one of the brighter players for Frankfurt and was actually able to drive the ball forward and start breaking down the low block of the Rangers later in that half. Yeah, that composure, absolutely paramount. Rangers are going to have to back it up, of course, in the Scottish Cup final. They'll be playing against the Aussie Hearts. I'm calling them that because they've got both Nathaniel Atkinson and Cam Devlin within that squad, two of our Socceroos or fringe Socceroos for the case of Cam Devlin because he hasn't actually been called up yet. But that feels like it's inevitable, right? For sure. Cameron Devlin, a very, very talented footballer. And I think a footballer that complements a lot of what Christit does very nicely, and I would love to see those two combine in the green and gold. Cam Devlin back in that starting 11 in the last game of the league against Rangers, ironically. Uh, they'll be hoping to overcome that 3-1 loss and get the better of Rangers this time in the Scottish Cup final. And Nathaniel Atkinson was the man that was subbed on for Cammy Devlin. Bit of an interesting change. Obviously, two very different players. Saw a change of system for Hearts in that. But Cameron Devlin in his half of football was very influential. Eight ground duels, all eight of them won, including six tackles to go on top of that. So really breaking up play for Rangers, causing problems, which is exactly what you want to see from him. And really a natural ball winner, which is something that this Australian squad is called out for. So Cameron Devlin consistently showing that he can be that guy. He can come in and replace defensive attributes that we've been missing since Mila Jernak. Heading over to Denmark, another Aussie will be facing off in a cup final. It's Joel King. His side OB is set to play FC Midtjylland in the Danish Cup final, which will hopefully be a nice warm-up for him because I imagine he will be called up to the Socceroos squad come June. I imagine so as well. And actually, most recently, he's been back in the starting lineup over an OB, struggling for games after his most recent international performances with Australia in the Japan and Saudi Arabia games, only starting five games since then. But the most recent one he has started and he played well, showing that he should probably keep that spot now. It's good to see, especially going into huge games for Australia in our World Cup qualifiers, but also a huge game for his club with the Cup Clash around the corner. Yeah, definitely one to watch in the coming weeks because he will be one of the few that will be playing games now that the rest of the leagues around the world are seeming to wrap up. Heading over to Italy, a player that we've talked about before, Christian Volpato. The award season has just begun and he has been announced in the Primavera 1 team of the season. What a season he's had in that development league. Many regard that as one of the top development leagues across Europe and he scored 11 goals, 4 assists across the season and... Because of his fine form in the youth setup at Roma, he has been called upon three times already this season. In the senior side, Jose Mourinho has said, yep, I want you to play. And he's made three appearances for Roma. Quite fascinatingly, a number of those times, there have been much more senior players on the bench alongside him. And Jose has said, no, I, I want to pick Valpardo. I want him to play. And he's not looked completely out of place when he has played. Not at all. Christian Valpardo evidently being favoured by Jose Mourinho, which is a very interesting thing because Jose Mourinho, a manager not really known to back youth, but when he does back youth, he rates him very highly. And typically he's correct on that assessment. So Valpardo clearly earning the respect of one of the greatest managers of at least the modern era, 
maybe football history, depending on your opinion of Mourinho. But Volpato in limited minutes, influential, getting into phases of play. And interestingly, played more of a right attacking midfield role as opposed to centrally, like he has for much of the under-19s season in the Primavera in Italy. So showing his versatility a little bit to play in a different shape, in a different area of the pitch. And that versatility is important as well when it comes to this Australia team where Graham Arnold values a lot of fluidity with his central midfielders to burst up into the half space or almost play as wingers. Maybe that will fill Graham Arnold with a bit more confidence to potentially select the bolter of Christian Volpato, which personally I would love to see because we don't want to risk losing a player of this quality to Italy. Yeah, it's very true. I think the next thing for Volpato would definitely be building up those match minutes and making more appearances more regularly off the bench. It feels like the natural progression. Unless, of course, he is also sent out on loan to another side. But even just being in the walls of Roma and making bench appearances, the tutelage of someone like Jose Mourinho, what would you do if you were in his position? What sort of career moves would you be looking to make at this stage? If I'm Christian Volpato, I'm trying to force my way into the first team squad over this offseason. Show just how good I am in preseason training and see if I can earn a spot starting in a few games, maybe, early on in the season for Roma. Fair enough. Being called up to the Italian under-19 squad may do him a great deal of help. Being called up to the Socceroos squad, if he gets given the call and he accepts it, would also be a great help to him on that front. We're getting to that time of the year where the transfer window is going to be opening very, very soon. Clubs in the A-League are announcing the players that will be departing and transfer rumours are flying everywhere. So let's chat about a couple of players that we maybe should be keeping our eye on throughout this off-season. The first one, we talked about him last week and as I was editing the podcast, it felt a little bit silly because he announced that he was leaving after nine years at the club, Tom Rogic, we hypothesized that he should stay on at Celtic and really push on and take it up another level. But I think now he's really got two options, I would say. Either go and try and find another club at a slightly higher level or at a similar level. Maybe even test himself out in the Premier League if there are clubs available. Or go and take a massive payday and earn some big dollar for his family with the likes of Martin Boyle or Aaron Moy in China. What do you think Rogic will do? Unfortunately, what I think he will do is take a payday and head off to probably Saudi Arabia. Me, as an Australian football fan, doesn't want to see this, but at the same time, I can never fault a player for securing a future for his family financially. But what I want to see it happen is I would love to see him finally have a crack in English football especially in the Premier League, maybe for a team like Brentford, that kind of area on the table, very smart and astute football teams where he can actually show off his technical ability with some very technical players around him that look to hold the ball, move the ball quickly, as opposed to the Celtic team that he has played in for the last decade before the Santa Postacoglu team, where they had to play very vertical football, trying to break down low block after low block, and he couldn't really show off that technical ability to progress the ball quickly through the lines. So I would love to see him in a team like a Brentford, like I said, or even a high-end championship team like a West Brom, 
where he can actually progress the ball, show off his technical ability, move the ball, shift it, and show off all those skills on the biggest stage. Another move that I wouldn't be opposed to is something like maybe the J-League. Be a bit close to Australia, a bit close to home, but still in a highly competitive league that values technical football. And moving from Yokohama, maybe Tom Rogic heading to Yokohama. Kevin Musket obviously is there at the moment as well. So he's familiar with the skills and the quality of Tom Rogic. So we'll definitely be watching that one closely. Next player that made headlines in Australia, Philip Kankar from the Wanderers to Livingston over in Scotland. What do you make of this move? It's a bit of an interesting one. I feel like it is... Maybe too early in his developmental cycle. I think he has a bit more time and development to go Philip Kanker. But at the same time, if he plays, it's going to be a great move for him. It's Because it's definitely a step up in terms of the professional environment. But also in terms of the profile of the league, more eyeballs will be on him and more opportunity to potentially move. Of course, he's only 21 years of age. So has plenty of time to grow, to develop. Like I said, would have liked to see him maybe one more year in the A-League. But clearly, he wants to get back over to Europe and start playing European football again. I think what's fascinating about that move is that it's not the first time we've seen an Aussie going over to Scotland, hoping to prove themselves in the Scottish League. And I dare say it'll be the last as well. Many Scottish clubs are seeing... What Ange has done, the players such as Tom Rogic, Atkinson, Devlin, seeing the quality of players in the A-League, especially the standout players in Out-League, it seems like a great stepping stone into Europe for Aussie players wanting to make a name for themselves. Definitely is. And one of those players that has been heavily linked to Scotland now, as well as some other teams in Europe, Kai Rolls. Kai Rolls performing quite well for Central Coast Mariners. Unfortunately, they bowed out of the finals I dare say it was because they didn't have the likes of Dan Hall, one of my favourite players, alongside him. Bit of a rough night for Windust playing down in centre-back, but he'll learn from that experience. But Kai Rolls, the guy we're here to chat about, another great season in the A-League. He obviously played at the Olympics last year, and he's backed it up with another great season in the A-League. Maybe even earning a move, like you said, to Scotland or another A-League club. If you were Kai Rolls... Where would you be looking to move this season? I definitely think heading over to the United Kingdom, whether it's for maybe a League One to Championship team or to the Scottish Premiership, it's just easier for Australian players to move over to a culture that feels more familiar, an English-speaking country as well. Uh, It cuts down on a lot of the difficult things with changing football teams where you go to a club that speaks the same language. And for an Australian player, talent that definitely helps because you have to remember this isn't just a player leaving say an island to go to England where they could go to Spain or to another European team it's a player actually going over to an entirely different continent halfway around the entire globe it's a long way to travel away from pretty much all friends and family so it's a huge adjustment to make so to see him go to another English-speaking nation I think will help him in that transition. But he definitely deserves the move. And it's really been something in the making ever since that under-17 World Cup appearance in 2015 when he made that squad. He's been building a solid 
A-League resume playing very consistently and really quality football ever since then, really building up the consistency, getting more and more consistent and improving more and more of when he plays well as well, lifting that bar. And it's culminated this year for what really has been one of the better centre-back displays. Uh, definitely by a Central Coast player since Trent Sainsbury, I'd say. Yeah, Trent Sainsbury, a fantastic example of a player that started off at Central Coast and has made waves in football in the world, ended up playing for Inter Milan for a very short period of time. But most importantly, to us at least, has had a profound impact on the national team. And he's not the only one. You've got the likes of Matt Ryan and Tom Rogic as well. Oli Bazanic featured for the Socceroos, especially around that 2015 era where we won the Asian Cup. But Kai Rolls could be just like those fantastic players. I think it really depends on how these next two seasons goes for him, whether he can secure a move overseas and and get consistent minutes wherever he goes, because we know that's the most important thing for a player's development. Hey, I'm very interested in the fact that you've also brought up Sainsbury, because you've read my mind. He has just been announced he's been released from his Belgian side, and For a player in his early 30s who's probably going to be winding up his playing career, not that I would want that necessarily, but it just feels like his time is maybe drawing towards an end. Where do you see him moving to? I think a homecoming is definitely on the cards. I think it is probably the natural time to come back to Australia. And if I had to pick a team, I think it would be almost poetic to see him come back to Central Coast to replace Kai Rolls. That would be uh, fascinating. But in reality, I think the more likely outcome is Sydney FC. Yeah, Sydney FC, we'll get to them in just a second. But he would be a fantastic choice, I think. The APL are really pushing to get some big-name marquees. And I know he's not the same level as an Ibrahimovic or a Nani or a Juan Mata or a Fabregas, but he definitely would be a player that your average Socceroos fan who has maybe fallen out of love with the A-League might entice them to want to come back and watch a couple of A-League fixtures. And if you ask me, this strategy of trying to bring in as many marquees as possible or as big names as possible, it only works if we have a number of marquee players. If you've got one marquee player, I don't think that's going to be enough to be the sugar hit that Danny Townsend is really wanting. I think you need a number of really high-quality players who are on big wages to come in and really revitalize the league in the same way that Del Piero, Ono, and Heskey did. You hit the nail on the head there because I feel like the reason that worked so well wasn't so much purely because of there was a big name playing in a game. It was that there were big names competing in a game, which added a lot more substance and flavor to the league and then showed the competitive nature of the league. Yeah, I think even just having them across multiple teams at the same time was paramount. One thing I would also just note, transfer-wise, we've seen a number of A-League clubs releasing players. Most fascinatingly, today, Sydney FC have announced that Steve Corica has been given a two-year extension. I thought he was on the way out, but clearly they've said, nope, we back you, we want you to stay around for two more seasons. And alongside that announcement of Corica's extension there have been a number of players that have been released from Sydney FC and one that I would like to highlight that I think is a really intriguing one is Mustafa Romini of course 
he started off at Central Coast Mariners. He was famously in that Central Coast side that lost the 2010-2011 A-League Grand Final. And then he got picked up by Borussia Dortmund and spent time over there, went over to Denmark, and things didn't quite work out there. COVID hit, there was a kerfuffle with the club in Turkey, and then he's landed back in Australia playing for Sydney FC. And based on the games that I've seen of Sydney, I would say largely disappointing for someone who spent so much time under Jurgen Klopp. A bold statement to say underperforming. I'd say considering he hadn't played a football match for two years and had been forced to travel around the globe quite a bit because of the global pandemic abruptly hurting his football career, being out of contract during that time, his contract terminated during that time. To come back after two years and on not playing football and being one of the few bright spots in the Sydney FC team, I'd say is quite commendable, personally. Well, we obviously see it a little bit differently. I think I just have high expectations of him because he was one of the few Aussies that I would play with on FIFA. Whenever I'd pick a team, I'd try and pick a team with an Australian in it. And I'd pick Dortmund and just sub Amini on, even though he's 64 rated. But I'm willing to admit that I can get things wrong sometimes. I do find it fascinating, though, that he isn't part of the plans for Sydney FC to rebuild, whether he sticks around the A-League or whether he goes elsewhere. For a player of his quality, you'd think that Sydney FC would want to keep him, right? It could also be a case that he just wants to go back to Europe. I think that's also a realistic expectation that he may have, or he may want to go to a more stable A-League side because this year Sydney FC embroiled in a lot of instability in their squad, a lot of turnover, a lot of player movements even through the season in terms of who's playing where and how much... He's been one of the few players that have played fairly consistently in that box-to-box role and playing fully solidly, despite not having a true six behind him, giving him that freedom to drift in the space. So I think he is more likely wanting to leave Sydney than Sydney's wanting him to leave. But it'll be very interesting to see what his next step is and how Sydney try to replace him. It will be very interesting to see. This time of year is always so exciting to see because it's rebuild time, right? Clubs looking to rebuild every single year because there isn't the threat of relegation. You just release players and you go again. I'll be watching closely to see the likes of the Wanderers, Sydney FC, the Raw, even Perth Glory, to see how they rebuild and look to work their way back into finals contention. The last thing I want to chat about this episode, we teased it just before, but yesterday, as of the time of recording, the under-23s squad was announced for... The Under-23 Asian Cup will be hosted in Uzbekistan. And quite an interesting squad that has been announced. I'll quickly run through the names. You've got Gauchi, Chapman, Bilakapic, who are the keepers. You've got down back, Rawlins, Miller, Billity, Courtney Perkins, Rich Bagaloo, Truen, Boss, and Farrell. In midfield, you've got Duragio, Nisbet, Frankoy, Yazbek, Nazarene plays between... Midfield and up top as well. You've got Pupion, Bernardo, Brook, Hammond, Kuol, and Wood. If you're an A-League fan, a lot of those names will be familiar to you. 13 of them currently are playing in the A-League. That also includes Joss Rawlins because he hasn't moved just yet. And 15 of them have played A-League minutes before with the likes of Jordan Courtney Perkins and Alou Kowal, who are now playing their trade over in Europe. James, what did you make of the squad and the fact that so many of them are Australian-based players or former Australian-based players? I think it's 
one greatly encouraging to see where the Australian talent is currently because if you were to ignore players that were close to that Socceroos bubble, I'd say this is close to a fourth next squad. There's a few players, obviously, that I would have in there, such as a Liam Chipperfield, such as a Ryan Teague, such as a Peter Guagas, but obviously with a couple of them, there's that dual nationality question mark hanging over their heads. So maybe they rejected the call up. We don't know these things, but it's a very, very good squad and it reflects very positively on the talent that the A-League is now producing. Yeah, you highlight these, what I would call high-profile dual international players that we've talked about before that could very well go and play for the other nation that they are eligible for. You've got Alex Robertson, who's eligible for England. Guagas is eligible for Sweden. Chipperfield, Switzerland. And then Sakadi and Volpato are both eligible for Italy. No space for them. Whether they were asked, we don't know. They may have been asked and rejected the call-up. And then you also don't have the likes of King, Atkinson, Metcalf, Tilio, Falami, or Arzani, who have all represented the Socceroos before and are still eligible for this squad. So some of those names I expect that we'll see come June for the Socceroos. I don't think Arzani is within the frame, so I'm not completely surprised that he's not making this squad either. Yeah, he's just struggled for opportunity, really. But two players that I was really surprised that missed out on this because I don't think they're in the frame for Socceroos call-ups is Ryan Teague. I would have thought he'd be straight into this kind of a squad. But also, if healthy, Caleb Watts. Don't know the extent of that hamstring injury, but would have thought if healthy, he'd be walking onto this team as well. So two players that I'm quite surprised that missed out. I saw online... A little bit of chat also about Angus Thurgate, who's had a standout season in the A-League, was unfortunate, I think, to miss out on this squad. But I've heard that he was approached. He turned it down because he didn't want to run the risk of getting injured even further. Speaking of those players that are dual nationals, Varelli on Spotify, we put the question out saying, who do you think should be called up to the under-23 squad? And they responded saying, really disappointed that Sakati and Volpato not in the squad, assuming they won't be in the Socceroos squad either. It feels like the squad selectors just aren't accountable. Nobody asking why these guys not picked. Qu- quite a scathing response, but do you agree with that, James? I think that is quite unfair to selectors because I think there's, a, would say, a 100% chance they were offered the opportunity. I would go that far to say it's almost certain they were offered the opportunity. But I'd say they turned it down because, I mean, we have... Sorry. The Italy you set up has some European Championship qualifiers. So, according to the form recently that they've shown in terms of their international allegiance, I'd say they're continuing with these youth tournaments with Italy. But I guess if Graham Arnold gives them a call to represent the Socceroos in this World Cup qualifier, they could say yes, right? I'd say they're more likely to say yes to an Australian call-up now. And I would say that may be a wise thing to do because at the end of the day, you're calling up players for one game. That's what you're doing. You're not running the risk of two games where you could have more injuries. You're calling up a full squad for one game so you can afford... To have, okay, here's my starting 11. Okay, here's my seven subs. Then you have five extra players where you can have this freedom to take some more risks. And if the game's in a really favorable position, you could, you could cap some players. If not, well, 
they understand the situation, maybe they don't play. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much for responding to that question, Varelli. Feel free to engage with us, whether it be on Spotify or on our social platforms at Soccer Who's Pod. I think this squad has plenty of promise and looks like a squad that could very well go on and potentially win this under-23 Asian Cup. And I think that is definitely the intention of the squad. When I look around at the players selected, when you go for more experienced players like Najirain, like Nisbet, where they clearly have more experience on them, more first-team opportunities, and a high current ability, as opposed to some high potential players that you could pick, like an Irukunda, like a Garanku Wall, who clearly have high potentials, I would say, but not as much experience. The only reason that I'd say you pick a Nisbet or a Najirain is for that experience and for that leadership in this young squad to go on and win it. So I'm hoping we see success because clearly they're chasing after it. And obviously I would love to see us win Asian Cups because I believe that's where we should be aiming to be up there with the best youth developments in all of Asia. The under-23 Asian Cup is set to kick off on the 1st of June. Our first match will be against Kuwait under-23. It'll be 11 p.m. Australian time. And you can bet we are going to be watching and cheering on our Aussie players. That'll be it for this episode. But thanks so much for joining us. As always, you can get in touch with us on our socials at Soccer Who's Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well. That email, soccerwhospod at gmail.com. Next week's episode is going to be a big one. We'll be chatting about the Socceroos squad for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers as well as a chat with Jordan Courtney Perkins, fresh off the back of his call-up to the under-23s. We'll be sitting down with him. We'll catch you then. See ya!